0: Hey now, hey now, ladies and gentlemen, it is over the line, Adrian McClain back with you yet again, and as always, I am very excited to be here with a brand new episode, yes right. Uh, First, make sure you subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell, share it with your friends, all that jazz if you are listening on the audio version, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all this stuff, you know, whatever, just share it or don't I don't really care so um today I I wanted to share with you guys some stuff about COVID-19 that I found out last night and and really a lot of this is thanks to Tucker Carlson and and it's it's shocking information but it's information that really (laughs) I've been telling you about since this whole thing but it's really putting the puzzle together as far as what COVID-19 has been this whole time. And what it's been is the great American scam. That's what COVID-19 has been. It's been one giant scam. And I'll explain it to you a little later in the show why that is. But, of course, the 2020 election has taken over everything. And every time I think I've got something to kind of, divert our attention just for an episode doesn't happen plus i missed some stuff from yesterday so i want to share that with you as well but we'll we'll cram it all into this episode right now as we're doing the show on december 3rd 2020 at almost 11 a.m central time they are having the georgia senate oversight hearings with the georgia senate oversight committee And they're talking about the voter fraud, the voter irregularities. As far as I know, they're not having average citizens come up and testify as they did in Michigan just yesterday and the day before. But they're talking to some of the officials that were dealing in the vote. And and I'll actually go over here to it real quick. I'm not sure who this guy is that's speaking. I think he's one of the election officials. But let's see if we can just pipe this in for a second and maybe we can get ourselves some good information. Let's we'll see what happens.
1: County's focus, the Board of Commissioners' focus is to prepare for the January 5th runoff, the two U.S. Senate uh, seats plus a Public Service Commission seat, and we want to make sure that our process is open, fair, and transparent. So that is my commitment to you, and I think that I'd like to ask the manager to come up. If there's anything that I that I missed, that I should not upset, the ship brother did not say as a, as an overview, but we're prepared to work with you. We'll follow the directives, instructions, the Secretary of State, and anybody else. We just want to get it right. And I think by by the way, I would give ourselves Fulton County an A plus for the work that we re, that we uh, that we did for with respect to the. Uh, to the uh, November 3rd election. And this just came in. I think this is instructive and helpful. This is from the Metro Atlanta Chamber. On behalf of the Metro Atlanta Chamber, we congratulate and thank you for an organized, efficient, and transparent election.
0: Oh, geez. Okay, so this is a guy that's defending what they did in Georgia and how great the (laughs) Fulton County... And Atlanta elections were, and we, we know that's a lie. We know that's an absolute lie. But whatever, whatever. You know, the, the other side's got to come up and speak. They're going to have their opportunity, so be it. Uh, I, I'm sure as I monitor this thing throughout the day, we'll probably have some things that we can bring to you in, in, in short clips and not hammer you with it. But of course, uh, since we're talking about these hearings, let me go down this road real quick, and then I'll get to the COVID-19 stuff. Over the past two days, there have been hearings in Michigan on, what is today, Thursday. So on Tuesday, you had the Oversight Committee bringing up witness after witness, people that have uh, signed sworn affidavits, and gave their testimony, the same testimony that they gave on those affidavits that could, you know, get them in legal trouble. They could be charged with perjury if they lied on it. It's very important to note that. And they came up and gave that testimony to the oversight hearing. One after another after another. This thing went on for like seven, eight hours. It was all day long. And I don't even know if they got everybody in. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. And then yesterday, Wednesday, December 2nd, they had the same thing happen where they... And I'm i not 100% sure that it was the same committee. I want to say it was a different committee. But Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis was there this time. And they had some of those i guess a select few of those witnesses with them recounting their stories and then giuliani questioning them to kind of help explain it better i guess and then obviously questions from the panel as well and you had a couple hostile democrats on that panel which didn't turn out well for them they made themselves look like complete idiots but going back to december 1st on tuesday there were two or three instances, and I'm not, this is not all of them, but these were notable in my mind, and I, I couldn't find them all. I found one or two of them. Instances of immigrants that have immigrated to this country from countries that do rig their elections. They are proud Americans, now proud Americans. They are giving back to their country by working on Election Day for the polls or for the ballot challengers or the political parties or whatever. And what they saw absolutely devastated them because it's exactly what they fled. And it is an amazing thing to hear these people recount these stories because they have a perspective that Andrew McClain doesn't have. They have a perspective that you don't have because you've likely grown up in America. You don't know anything different. You know from the history of books and the news and everything else what goes on in these countries, but you never experienced it. A lot of these people did. So imagine their shock as they watched it go down in front of their very eyes when all they've known about America is how great, wonderful, and, and how it's the land of opportunity. And they're watching America go down the same exact road that their respective countries went as well. This was one lady, this was from December 1st, recounting her story of what she saw while votes were being counted there in Michigan, in, in Detroit, Michigan, in her uh, her vote counting complex deal.
2: Whereas the countries we come from, a lot of things happen, But all of that changed the day um, I went there. Like I was on, I was at TCF on both the days, third and the fourth. Third was pretty much um, the same monotonous stuff going on. Nothing much to note, uh, other than occasional ballot challenging. But the next day, next day is where um, I noticed a lot of uh, issues. Um, there was a group of people uh, who were like agitators who were trying to get uh, GOP people in trouble. And uh, from my skin color, everybody assumes that I'm a Democrat, and uh, so they just kind of come to me. And uh, one of the ladies was thinking that let get let's get these MFs out, and I'm like, MFs who? Like because uh, she thought I was a Democrat. Then uh, when I pulled out, my
0: so, 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 so take note of that, okay? This lady is uh, a minority. She's an immigrant. So these cocky Democrat operatives that are that are in these vote counting centers go up to her, just assume because she's not a white person that she's a Democrat, and kind of gives her a nudge of, hey, let's get these mfers out of here, these mfing Republicans. Let's let's kick them out. And she's, she's like, what are you what are you talking about? This kind of stuff happened over and over, and this is the stuff we heard over the past two days, and it's absolutely fascinating. I I can't stress that enough. Because you got a, a look, a front row seat, as to what happened in these vote counting centers. There were situations where the GOP challengers, ballot challengers, were being harassed by the Democrat operatives. Democrat ballot challengers, the Democrat lawyers, the supervisors, which were obviously Democrats as well. They would get up in these people's face. They would threaten them with a letter opener or a pen until they decided to, to fight back or say in a loud voice, are you threatening me? And then they would wave the cops over, slowly back away, fade into the background, and then the cops would throw them out. It was very coordinated what they were doing, and they were one by one picking people off. They were going around and just with the the, <laughs> the white people, you know, that's probably a, a GOP, that's probably GOP, and just picking them off one by one. But another thing they did, and I'll give them credit, this is genius. They give them lanyards and they give them badges to so they can identify as poll challengers, ballot challengers. The DNC Democrat ballot challengers would have this very subtle, small lanyard, nothing flashy, nothing big. But the GOP lanyards and the GOP badges, they were big, they were bulky, and they were bright colors, bright yellow, bright orange. So you could see them from a mile away. And so these guys who had this coordinated plan together already could spot them from across the room and say, Hey, let's go get that MFR out. Let's go get this guy. There's another GLP. There's another one. Pick them off one by one until we all get them out. There was one lady that recounted her story, and I couldn't find the video. She talked about how she was there with with one working with one lady, and she said she was so nervous and and so uh, emotionally unstable the whole time that she kept crying, saying, "I can't do this. I can't do this." And she was a, one of the Democrat poll challengers, or, or it, in in the one capacity with the Democrats, right? I can't do this. I can't do this and he, she said there was a final time she burst into tears and she just left she said i can't do this anymore you know what that is this is this is a lady who knows she's committing a highly illegal act and her conscience was getting to her and she says man if i if i continue to go through with this i could get in some real trouble so she split how many other people were like that we even got reports days after the election where in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, the Google searches for punishments for voter fraud had spiked more than normal. People googling what kind of punishment do you get if you commit voter fraud? Why would people why would people be googling that in in large numbers? You tell me. I think it's pretty obvious. So these people were very coordinated, very strategic. They knew what they were doing. It was all planned from the very beginning.
2: My tag, she looked at me and she's like, you're on the wrong side. I'm like, how can you say I'm on the wrong side? I pick whoever I want, right? Because this is a free country. But uh, then I noticed that they were going and getting all the white male Republicans out by, you know, just kind of, sheer intimidation, you know, just saying, oh, your mask slipped, you're going to get people killed, like you heard from so many other people. And uh, then what I did was, uh, I got trained by two, both the MIGOP GOP and Election Integrity Fund. So I went to Tim Griffin of Election Integrity Fund, and I said, can I have my nonpartisan um, uh, credentials? And then when I got that badge on, everything changed. Like, people just looked at me differently. I was looked at with, with a lot of hostility when I had the GOP tag, and now that I have a nonpartisan tag, I was respected at the counting boards. I was respected by the Democrats and the ACLU. And in fact, I was able to even help some of the GOP people from being escorted out by putting myself there and asking why they were even being escorted out and arguing with these people, um, but the whole, uh, environment was so hostile and condescending, um, and a lot of people have, um, talked about the
0: tagging people with a particular label so you can identify them as the enemy. What does that sound like? Does it sound familiar to anybody?
2: You know, the ballots that were not in the poll book or the system. And I was at a table which had a full stack of uh, this file which said not in EPB slash S, which is poll book or system. They were scanning and manually entering them. And the signatures on those um, sleeves were exactly alike. like a.
0: That's um, amazing, amazing testimony from this lady. And then you move over. There's another immigrant lady who, this was actually from yesterday. She was speaking with Giuliani by her side. This is the, she she spoke Tuesday, December 1st, but came back for the second round yesterday, December 2nd, with Giuliani to kind of explain what she experienced. Another immigrant being harassed, being uh, agitated, and being threatened in very violent manners.
3: Yes. Would you say that about 100,000 false documents were created?
4: Yeah, from September 22nd till, I would say, till September 30th, yeah, about 10 days. I mean, I was there till October 2nd. And
3: you estimated, uh, when we went over this, about 10,000 a day.
4: Yeah, anywhere between 10,000 to 15,000. Yeah, sometimes we, we will... We will be able to complete, I even remember, 14,000 packages. Sometimes it's 12,000. So you can just, to be on the safe side, you can say 10,000 per day. That's a good number.
3: And just before we leave this, would your supervisor say this to all of you publicly? In other words, he would say, today, the date we're going to use is whatever.
4: Yes. Yeah, that's the announcement. You
3: had the phony date of the day. Yeah,
4: that's the announcement they will make. Yes, on the floor.
0: Yes. So they would come over the microphone and tell them if you're getting absentee ballots, if you're getting mail in ballots that have a date stamped on it, November 4th, or anything after November 3rd, I guess even November 3rd, they were wanting to stamp them with the second and the third, go ahead and backdate it. Backdate it. So we can still count those. You can't do that. That's illegal. That's, that's the equivalent of somebody casting a vote in person on November 4th. It's insane. And here they are telling us right to our face, hey, we watched this happen. And I thought what was powerful is this same lady testified about how, as I explained earlier... She watches a country that she loves so much that has allowed her to come here and given her tremendous opportunity. She's watching it go down a very dangerous road and it breaks her heart. Listen to this.
4: But I went, I had to go through this so inhumane, I mean, Is there anything else you'd like to
3: say, Jesse, about your experience?
4: I just want to be so thankful. I've been in this country for 35 years. I'm so thankful for this country, for all the opportunities. And I I am who I am because of this nation.
0: And she's watching it. Go down the road, it's going down. Again, it's a feeling that none of us could really understand because we haven't come from a place that didn't give us those opportunities, that didn't didn't give us those advantages, privileges, if you will. She has. And now to watch this stuff go down, it's got to be absolutely, absolutely heartbreaking. One more this one from yesterday as well this is a guy who is talking about what he saw through the night while counting ballots or challenging ballots in detroit at the um what they call it The, the tcf center and the illegal obvious illegal activity that was conducted all night long
5: then around um 4.30 a.m., we had an announcement that a new shipment of ballots were arriving, and these boxes of ballots were brought in by Mr. Baxter himself at 4.30 a.m. from the rear of the room. Um, So I personally eyewitnessed Mr. Baxter carrying boxes from the rear of the basement of the TCF Center into the, the, the tables. So each box, I approximate 600 ballots. Um, And it was like a full, what you have to know is that these tables, there's about seven tables, they were 10-foot tables each. Every table was full of boxes of ballots. It's not tens of thousands or 20 thousands. I approximate 50,000 ballots were brought in. Now, were all of those ballots brought in from the rear entrance to the TCF Center? I don't know. They were brought in from the TCF Center. But they was, there was a lot more than just the ones that were brought in from the, T, the rear entrance of the TCF Center. And I'm talking, this is the 6 a.m., this is when we're starting at 6 a.m., the 4.30, 5 a.m. It was the 50,000 ballots on the table, equal to the two rounds that we did before. We did a round around 10 p.m. to about 1, p, uh, 1 a.m., and then 1 a.m. to about 4 a.m., and then um, this, the, the boxes were brought in from the rear around 4.30, then they had the shift change from around 5 to 6. So with the this, this shift change, most of the, the volunteers were, were tired at this point. They only expected to be there from 10 PM to 5 AM. So 90, 90 plus percent of them left at 5 AM. I decided to stick around. Um, so they had the shift change. At at 6 am mr Baxter and his uh management team got back on the microphone and said this is what the new sh- the new shift change right the new employees says this is what democracy is is supposed to look like right in front of everyone the whole room cheered
0: wow this is what democracy looks like tell me tell me what that sounds like where, where have you heard that phrase before this is what democracy looks like Oh, that's right. You always hear it at left-wing protest. This is what democracy looks like. This is what democracy looks like. Now, why would supervisors that are running a a vote counting center come over the mic with a left-wing chant of this is what democracy looks like, only followed by the place erupting in applause? we heard other testimony to the same effect you heard the one lady Artesia Bomber who said people were screaming this is our house tonight they're going to do what we say they're going to do it's all obvious there is there's no middle ground there's no well maybe they meant this or maybe they meant that no it's cut and dry <laughs> It's blatantly obvious. And these are people, okay, these are people that are not partisan people. Okay, I believe I'm fair-minded. But I have been accused many times of being willing to drink Donald Trump's bathwater. Now, whether or not I would actually do that is beside the point. But these are not... Hundreds and thousands of Andrew McClain's giving this testimony. These are average people. Some Republican, some Democrats, some Independents. These are not rabid Trump supporters. These are average people that are simply saying, this is what I saw. This was happening. And everybody's story, all these people that don't know each other, all their stories are lining up. One after another after another. And they're all different instances. There is no way any logical person can watch those and be honest in saying that, no, nah, that, that, oh, that's just a coincidence. There's no way you can say that. And the reason Democrats are still going with the thing of president-elect joe biden and he fairly won the election is because they refuse to watch this stuff they had the one uh, blonde lady i can't remember her name in michigan they had her on tuesday and they brought her back on wednesday she's a little kooky okay she she comes off as a little crazy but she did a sworn affidavit she gave her testimony she's kind of bouncing off the walls maybe had a little too much coffee but she was telling the same stories everybody else was. Now, the Democrats, because this lady came up as a little kooky, that's the only uh, testimony they've watched. And of course, they're sharing it all over social media, painting this lady as the representative of everybody else that's come forward to testify and saying, These are the witnesses? Well, that's one of thousands of witnesses. But that's all they watch. They're not going to watch the rest of this stuff. They're too busy drooling over themselves and patting themselves on the back for all their virtue signaling. But I'm showing you so you know. And you can tell your friends. You can tell your liberal family members. Hey, there's more to this. And tell them, don't trust me. Don't trust Andrew McLean don't trust don't trust anything just go watch it. pull it up on the internet. don't don't pull up somebody talking about it. pull up the actual testimony and watch 30 minutes of it. watch an hour of it. Watch the whole thing if you got time and then ask yourself, is there really something to this? And if that person you're requesting to do that is a reasonable person, They will come to the same conclusion you have. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a lot of level-headed Democrats, regular people, to watch this stuff. They're not going to get it from the media. They're not going to get it from Twitter or social media. Big Tech is censoring it. It's going to take those people stepping up and say, Hey, I know my guy won, but this is a dangerous road. And there's obviously something to this. I don't want to see my guy suffer this same fate that Donald Trump's suffering now. It's a dangerous precedent to set. Because guess what? If this uh, is allowed to happen, Republicans would have no choice but to do this exact same thing. And then voting doesn't even matter. It's just who can cheat more. Who can be more corrupt? That's all it is. And they will do it at all costs. No holds barred. All right. Now, COVID-19. Good Lord, we're already 30 minutes into the show and I haven't even talked about what I was supposed to talk about. But here we go. Last night, Tucker Carlson brought up a report that gives us a lot of insight on the origins of the coronavirus. Now, when it first popped up and we found out it was coming from China... My comments were, and people can verify this for you, it was probably created in a lab. Now, I didn't say that with any knowledge of what was going on. We were all kind of in the dark, but I, I said that, that would be a very China thing to do, especially since we're finally on a level playing field and we're hammering them with, with tariffs. Probably came out of the lab. Reports, oh, came from Wuhan, came from a bat, came from a wet market, blah, blah, blah then that story started to not make as much sense. Then the lies of China started being exposed. But our health officials, like Dr. Fauci, decided to stick with China and say, oh, they're doing a really good job of being transparent. Now we know, with tests done of blood samples from last fall, the fall of 2019 from the Red Cross that these blood samples have the antibodies. And these are blood samples from different parts of the country, from Wisconsin or Iowa or Oregon. This is not just in New York City, like a major transit hub. These blood samples had the antibodies last fall. And if they had the antibodies last fall, that means they had the coronavirus even earlier than that. We were made to believe China had the coronavirus thing start in December of 2019. And then it slowly made its way here to the U.S. until it hit our shores in January, February. That turns out to be a bold-faced lie. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you this segment from Tucker Carlson last night. It's kind of weird because it's got part of it blurred out, but just that'll probably keep me safe and allow me to continue to post this on youtube but let him lay out the facts for you here and then on the other side i'll continue to comment on this stuff check this out tucker carlson i also wanted to do this because i don't want you giving fox news any ratings so if you can just watch it here they don't they don't get uh, they don't get any credit for it
3: the latest evidence comes from samples collected during red cross blood drives last year and now analyzed by the Centers for Disease Control. In a study published on Monday, researchers tested 39 blood samples from the states of California, Washington, and Oregon. That blood was collected between December 13th and December 16th, 2019. At the time, no one in the United States had heard of COVID-19. The Chinese government didn't even acknowledge its existence until December 31st. And yet, every one of those samples just tested Has come back positive for the coronavirus antibodies all of them keep in mind that antibodies don't develop for at least a week after exposure to the virus that means the wuhan coronavirus was being transmitted throughout the american population far earlier possibly months earlier than we were told what does that mean exactly and how did it happen we don't know yet how it happened but we know for certain that it did The CDC has found dozens more positive samples from blood tests taken at the beginning beginning at the end of December, and they found them in many other parts of the country, across the country, Michigan, Iowa, Massachusetts. Analysis of tests in other countries has shown even earlier spread of the virus. Scientists now know the virus, the coronavirus, spread to Italy as early as last September, and to South America two months later in November. So clearly, what we have been told for almost a year about the origins of the coronavirus is not true. Why are we just learning this now, a month after a presidential election? We've had reliable antibody tests since the summer, so no one thought to test Red Cross blood samples until now? Why weren't elected officials demanding a coherent account of where this virus, this virus that has changed American history forever, where this virus came from, how it got to the United States, and how it spread through our population? Why don't we know that yet? Because nobody seemed to care. Our elected officials were too busy enjoying their newfound power. They were shutting down small businesses, arresting people for kayaking without masks. Back in January, 11 months ago, the Department of Homeland Security warned that American airports could be ground zero for a new pandemic. But Congress yawned. They were occupied that day. On January 24th, a day when these blood samples now prove The virus had already spread across the continent. The Trump administration held a classified briefing on the coronavirus for the entire U.S. Senate, but only 14 senators showed up for it. Why was that? Well, that briefing was held on the very same day as the deadline for senators to submit their questions for impeachment. So the people in charge of protecting the country were not worried about coronavirus. Instead. They were standing in front of their mirrors rehearsing their star turns, the moment when they could finally confront Alan Dershowitz about the dreaded Zelensky phone call. Now they're claiming the pandemic caught them completely by surprise. How do they get away with that? They get away with it because our public health establishment gives them cover and has all year. Two days before that classified Senate briefing that only 14 senators showed up for, Dr. Tony Fauci went on television to reassure Americans they could relax calm down America You can trust the Chinese government if the Chinese are telling us that this virus jumped from a pangolin in a wet market And no one even knew it existed until New Year's Eve and we're doing our very best to contain it Then that's what happened
0: China uh, has been known to
3: fiddle with their stats before do you trust what they are telling us about this illness? from what i can see right now they really are being much much more
5: transparent than what happened with sars where they really kept back information for a while
3: it was embarrassing to them they're really transparent now they put the sequence of the virus up on the public database right away so in that respect they've been transparent they're really transparent now said dr anthony fauci now in a well-functioning country, a line like that would make certain that you never work in public policy again. Transparent? Transparently dishonest. We know that for certain. Chinese officials are now claiming the virus came to their country from somewhere else. It arrived in frozen food, possibly as a bioweapon staged by the U.S. military. They're not saying that in secret, they're saying it on social media. But so far Twitter hasn't bothered to fact check that claim. Like Tony Fauci, Silicon Valley trusts China, trust China far more than they trust you. Ron Klain trusts China too. Ron Klain is Joe Biden's pick for White House Chief of Staff. On January 27th of this year, Klain told Axios that China has been, quote, more transparent and more candid than it has been during past outbreaks. Why did Ron Klain think that? Possibly because the World Health Organization told him to think so. On January 8th, the WHO, funded, of course, by the Chinese government, released a similar message. Here it is, quote, preliminary identification of a novel virus in a short period of time is a notable achievement and demonstrates China's increased capacity to manage new outbreaks. It was like a press release. In other words, the rest of us ought to be thanking the government of China for the blessing of COVID-19. Much appreciated. A week later, the WHO was back with more demonstrably untrue propaganda straight from their overlords in Beijing. Quote, "...preliminary investigations conducted by the Chinese authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the novel coronavirus." That was yet another dangerous lie that without question cost American lives. But Twitter didn't fact check that either. Instead, the American media, as a group, dutifully amplified the message. China did nothing wrong, they told us. Anyone who suggests otherwise, who suggests this thoroughly Chinese virus came from China, is by definition a racist. Whose fault is it that Americans are dying from the virus? It's America's fault. It's your fault. Stop asking questions. And by the way, they're still saying that. So thorough was the news blackout on the origins of this virus, the Chinese origins, that you had to go to Australian television to find out what was actually happening.
1: From the very beginning throughout december it was spreading and we now know it was spreading human to human but the official line of the chinese government was that this was all related to an animal market and once they closed the market it would all go away did they know differently at that time absolutely because uh, they were seeing cases coming into the hospitals that had nothing whatsoever to do with that animal market
3: it had nothing whatsoever to do with that animal market. Viewers of Australian television knew that. Viewers of American television had no idea. American TV channels were still doing little packages on the pangolin. What's a pangolin? It had nothing to do with the pangolin or bats or the wet market. You'll remember a few weeks ago, we interviewed a Chinese virologist, Dr. Li Menyan, on this show, and she fled her country with a message for us. This virus, she said, came from a government lab in China. She said she knew that. In her own country, she would have been punished, possibly killed, for saying so. So she came here, to the land of the free. What did she find? She found her words censored by American tech companies working in tandem with the tyrants she fled. Once again, you had to go to 60 Minutes Australia to learn what was happening to people like Dr. Li
1: As China now tries to rewrite history and claim it was transparent all along, a final nail in the coffin of their lie. Just two weeks ago, the head of emergency at Wuhan Central Hospital, Dr. Ai Fen, also went public, saying authorities had stopped her and her colleagues from warning the world. She has now disappeared, whereabouts unknown.
3: Internal documents now prove that Chinese officials knew they were facing a coronavirus pandemic, something they'd never seen before, but they hid that information from the world and they arrested those who tried to report it. More critically, millions of people continued to travel through the city of Wuhan in central China, the epicenter of the pandemic. Then more than a million Chinese citizens flew here to the United States, more than a million. It wasn't until January 20th that the president of China, Xi Jinping, finally admitted the virus could be contagious. It could spread from person to person. Now, what is that? At best, it's criminal negligence. At worst, it's something like mass murder. But no, said the World Health Organization. In fact, it was just more evidence that the Chinese Communist Party was doing an extraordinary job managing the pandemic. And the American media heartily agreed. Watch this amazing clip from late March
5: right now there's very very few countries that have actually been able to reverse this uh, this um, uh, epidemic and bring their cases down to very low level and in fact the only country that has done that is china it was um, the passion the diligence the sense of responsibility the seriousness of the average chinese and i, I want to use that term very carefully because they weren't average they're were extraordinary people but they were driven by a sense of collective responsibility
3: That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the passion and diligence and sense of responsibility and seriousness of the Chinese. They're extraordinary people. It's in the blood. They're driven. And we want to quote this verbatim because it's important for the rest of us to learn from our mistakes. The Chinese are driven by, quote, a sense of collective responsibility. Contrast that with us. Fat, lazy, Trump-voting Americans, so selfish and short-sighted that we demand to go to church on Sundays or go out to dinner with our families once in a while. And then, deservedly, we get sick and die. Not Xi Jinping and the obedient communist nation he leads.
0: They've found a better way. There's uh, Tucker Carlson last night uh, talking about the coronavirus and what we know now. So what we know now is that we've been lied to about COVID-19 every single step of the way. We now know, thanks to blood samples from the American Red Cross, that COVID-19 has been here possibly since early 2019. That it was not born in a wet market from a bat. That it was transmitted human to human. That China knew about it and still allowed people to travel all over the world. And that they did that on purpose. There was a sinister plan with all of this. This Virus was made in a lab. It was made in a lab that, ironically, the Obama administration had given tons and tons of money to billions of dollars. And then it just so happened to be released in a lead up to the presidential election the most consequential presidential election in history. A presidential election where the guy that benefited from it didn't even feel the need to campaign at all. It's not that when the Obama administration gave all that money to the Wuhan lab that ultimately created COVID-19 that they knew Donald Trump would run and become president and be a threat to democracy. But they knew and I'm going out on a limb here, they knew that they may need to use it sometime in the future. Because if the Democrats have taught you one thing, and hopefully you've learned this, it's that they want to control every aspect of your life. And creating a virus to scare the public, as you see now, is the perfect way to accomplish that. It just so happens, the evil Hitlerian Donald Trump became president. And the coincidence was, we've got this virus built. We can use this to ultimately win the election. So it gets released, maybe a little early. Then, once 2020 comes around and it's campaigning season, then it's time to freak out. Then we can tell everybody about the coronavirus, how dangerous it is, and how everybody needs to stop what they're doing and lock themselves in the house. No more Trump rallies. No more real press conferences. No nothing. Everybody lock it down. And now look what's happened. The biggest voter fraud scheme in history committed through mail-in voting that was only made possible by coronavirus. Why did they wait, if everyone knew, why did they wait till 2020 to make it known that the coronavirus was out here? If we had already been dealing with it for a year, nobody even knew. Because it was campaign season. We lived our entire lives... With COVID-19 spreading all across the country through 2019, nobody batted an eye. Nobody worried about it. People got sick as they do every year. People die from being sick as they do every single year. We had no idea that a virus with a 99% survival rate was ravaging our country. But once we did, we had to shut it all down. I'll get called all kinds of names for this theory. But it's weighed on my mind for months and months as we learn more about COVID-19, the election, voter fraud. And I'm starting to piece it together as one big evil Democrat scheme To take this country back from the people. Because that's what's going on. The people for the past four years finally got their hands back on their own country. And the greasy, sleazy establishment in Washington, D.C. was not going to have it. And if it was creating a pandemic in order to get the country back in their hands they would certainly do it. That is what you've seen here. We all had it in 2019. Chances are, if you're watching this, you've had it possibly two years ago and don't even know it. We all lived a perfectly normal life. 2019, what a great year that was. But when January came around, once we really started about talking about the 2020 election, that's when all hell broke loose. Again, call me crazy, whatever, I don't care. But I've been piecing that together for a while, and now that we know for a fact how long this virus has been here, now's the perfect time to put it out. Make sure you like, subscribe, get on over the line on social media, on Facebook, we're on Parlor, we're on Twitter, we're on MeWe, and we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Find us anywhere and everywhere. Make sure you share this with your friends, families, loved ones, and mask-breathing Corona Bros. Give it to everybody. They need to know. Until next time, see you, Cools.